Hello and Namaste. Immerse in your own power with Abha. The woman who has shattered ceilings, made new rules, and shows you exactly how. Straight from the heart, says it just as it is. This show is dedicated to your power. Welcome to Breakout with Abha. I'm on to peace. I appreciate. No license do I praise. Or reframe my brains. Freedom is all I see. Expanse is all I breathe. Move moving blocks. Cause you have to shut up. I'm born to create. Hi, Namaste, and welcome to Breakout with me, Ava. Thank you so much for watching. As you know, we bring to you some exceptional people, game changers, people who have made new rules and broken the old ones. And they teach us how to break out of what we find limiting for us and break into something that we find absolutely necessary for us. They teach us a big lesson that there is only one rule to life and that is that there are no rules to life. We just make them up all on the way. So my guest today, as you see on my side, is yet another exceptional gentleman, a game changer, a person who has broken out of things that people would probably not even imagine in fiction books. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. He is the CEO of COS, that is the Complete Office uh, Stationery, uh, Australia's largest family-owned B2B supplier of office products. In 1967, his family fled Egypt for Australia during the Six-Day War. We have to listen to that story. He only spoke Arabic and French at that point of time, no English. Australia only spoke English. So you can imagine what would have happened over there. He was finding it so difficult to go to schools that he left school at 13. He went to look for a job at 14. He had no language skills for Australia. He did not know what that meant, but he still got a job. He still got going. He still got moving. Now he runs and he owns. He's the CEO. Like I said, he's uh, the owner of Australia's largest family-owned B2B office supplying business. And it runs into millions, over 100 million in products. So please welcome Dominic Leone. Dominic, how are you? Hi, hi, hi. Thank you. Uh, Dominic, so nice of you to be here. I met you some days ago, and um, I was I was totally, uh, you know, totally sort of uh, mesmerized by the fact that you're such a great speaker. You're such a great communicator. You are such a great educator. So thank you for that first. Uh, before I start asking you the questions about your life story. Uh, but um, I think it, it's been a great experience to be in, in that classroom while you were educating us about money and you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you got some value from that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, Dominique, tell us, you're, you're principally what I can see from what I, I see of your history or of your story. You're not a quitter. You have gone through bankruptcy. You've gone through... Uh, crazy times. You moved from Egypt to Australia at the age of 13, which is like a very impressionable age, and um, you had no clue what was coming. Oh, look, absolutely no clue. I mean, we just landed here. Uh, I landed here as a 13-year-old, having no idea what was coming. 
And uh, as you said in the introduction, within a year I had left uh, school and started working and have built uh, an amazing life here. But uh, just uh, I think anybody's uh, life, really, it's, it's full of obstacles and full of mountains that you have to climb. And once you reach the top, there's usually another one right there in front of you. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So it's really about your guts in, in taking the next challenge up. Right, right. So um, tell us uh, when you got in there, there's a story, there's this, uh, you know, your journey from Egypt to Australia. You know, there's, there's, you, you've traveled by sea, right? Yeah, look, we traveled uh, the, the year that we were living, which was 1967, the, uh, se- uh, the Six-Day War broke out. Uh, so we were meant to have a 20-day journey from Egypt to Australia, but because of the uh, the war and the uh, Suez Canal being closed at the time, it took us uh, 45 days to get here. So long, long journey at sea. Right. Uh, four of us on the ship, uh, mom, dad, myself, and my sister. Right. And uh, really, you know, spent, uh, spent 40, 40 odd days uh, dreaming about the future. Uh-huh. And, and uh, just uh, because also when I re- read about you, uh, there's only your dad, mom, and your sister as family. You didn't have people behind you, grandparents or somebody to help you around then. So in Egypt, I understand there was uh, also a little bit of a religious sentiment that you finally got rid of. And uh, it was not, ac- right. Christians were not accepted. So Australia was a great option that way as well. It yeah, look, we left, e- we left Egypt back then because of uh, religion fanaticism and very... Uh, you know, not 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 great a political environment. Both my mom and dad were orphans, so I I don't have any grandparents, aunts and uncles as such. It's only mom and dad. Right. Uh, and uh, so there was a stigma there, a little uh, a stigma both for our religion and also that my mom and dad did not have parents. Right. Uh, so we uh, in one shot, I guess, dad was able to get rid of all that. I I know. It in retrospect, I think it worked just quite well. So. <laughs> It's um and and let, tell me because you guys came in with ninety bucks on you. That's like when I when when. That's you, correct. That's correct. Well, it, it, if somebody hears that, they're gonna be they they probably gonna squirm and you know they they freeze to even hear somebody came with family with ninety bucks. Well, the, but but the ninety bucks was all spent by the time we got here because uh, we had forty five days of travel right. for four for four people. So if you do the calculation, that's about two dollars a day. Right, uh, and it, you know it takes some supplies and so on to live for forty-five days. So we essentially arrived in Australia with one dollar left. Well, that's from ninety to one is even even fun to hear, you know. So it's like for everybody who's listening and watching, started out with ninety dollars in nineteen sixty-seven. Four people, forty-five days journey on in uh, uh, on sea, and left with one dollar in Australia. So you you can see what the start and then. Now, we'll go to the rest of the story now. Uh, uh, Dominic, tell me, you were in school, you did not speak English. You've been bullied, you've been, uh, you've been called names, you've been called all sorts of things, and it was difficult. I mean, I can understand as a 13 or 14-year-old child, uh, a boy, I, I don't think it's, it's easy to be bullied in that manner. Well, look, I think, I think uh, young boys uh, at school can be very, very cruel, and I, I arrived as the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the young boy who didn't speak any, any English at all. Uh, so there was a lot of fun made of me at, at school. Uh, often the, the, the boys would be quite cruel. I've, I went into uh, many fights and uh, uh, 
and you know, it, it turned out it was not great at the time, but uh, maybe uh, I was the dummy uh, back then, uh, maybe the nerd back then, but I think I've paid them all back well and good by now. I, I believe you, sir, because always uh, there is this, uh, you know, somebody they pick up on, they have to pick on somebody in schools anywhere, even if it wasn't this, this kind of a situation, but they will always find somebody to pick on, the cruel ones. So uh, I'm afraid they got you. But then you've proven them wrong, all of them. That's great. So uh, you, you went out to, uh, you left school at the age of 13. Now that's... that's I, I left at the age of 14 and nine months. That's the law in Australia is that you, you must go to school until 14 and nine months. I think that's a little bit more now. But back then, that was the age. And right on the day, I left. Right. <laughs> you left on the day. It was 14 years and nine months, right? That's correct. So I, when, when my son heard that, he was very happy. So I, he said, I'm forcing him to study a lot longer than uh, he should have. So <laughs> when you left at that age, Dominic, you were, you were, you looked for a job. Your first job was that of a telegram boy, is it? Have I got it right? Yeah. My first, my first job was a government job right across the road from the school, right. where I was paid uh, uh, back then about seventeen dollars a week to deliver telegrams. Uh -huh. uh, so these were telegrams were, you know, notifications to families way, way before email was invented. Right, right. And then eventually you moved to becoming a typewriter mechanic. That's yeah, then, then, then it was my dream to become a typewriter mechanic and join and I guess follow in my father's footsteps. Right. Uh, I, did, uh, I did achieve that. I got a job in a typewriter company and quickly realized that really there was no money in being a mechanic but there was a lot more money in selling, right. uh, and uh, I uh, decided that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into the sales department. I approached my boss back then and said, "Look, uh, uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to join the sales department." After it took him about nine months to a year to agree, and then he agreed and said, "Well, look, you can keep your current job and do that one on top of that." Right. Uh, but I did it, and uh, you know, became became quite good at selling. Mm -hmm. uh, earned uh, reasonable money, right. and uh, and then uh, we got into a, uh, a bit of an argument with the boss because uh, the more I sold, uh, they seemed they wanted to pay me these commissions uh, in theory, but once I achieved them, they didn't like paying them. Okay. Uh, so I decided that there was time to uh, uh, leave and uh, maybe go and do it for myself, and I figured that uh, if I could uh, buy for a dollar and sell for a dollar fifty. Uh, I could make enough money and not work for the man. Wow. And, and this, is, this is what happened at the mechanic place, right? That's correct. So if you could just take us into that space for a second, because I, I read about, I, you're, you're part of that book called 50 Unsung Heroes in Australia, uh, Business Heroes. Uh, so I, I was reading yes. about you then uh, there, and it's, uh, it says very clearly that you saw some people sitting across the, you know, the, the window uh, who, were, who went in and out as they please. They were not supposed to sit there, and that hit you very hard. That you you should be able to do that, and you you spend some money on suits and clothes, uh, just to make sure that you know you you dress like them, but you are still working as a mechanic. And eventually, you moved out of that to work for yourself. That's that. That's uh, that's one hundred percent correct. I mean, you you've pretty well told the story as it is. So I was a typewriter mechanic, uh, and uh, just across the other side of the hall was the salespeople. They all seem to have better, better clothes, uh, 
uh, better cars and appears to me to be a better life. So I decided that's where I wanted to be. Right. I, when I first asked my manager, I wanted to be there. He basically said, uh, 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 you know, good luck and get back to work very quickly. Uh, but to, uh, to, to show my determination, I, uh, I visited a store in Sydney. I bought two suits, shirts, uh, basically new clothing and decided to come to work every day as a typewriter mechanic, uh, dressed 100% as a, as a salesman. And every day, I, uh, every week, I would ask the, the, jo- to the, uh, the boss, you know, is there a position, is there a position, is there a position? After about nine months, he said, look, uh, yes, there is a position. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a trial of that position, but also you have to continue to do the mechanics work. Right. So for again, everybody who's watching, listening, you've got to start believing that this is for you and go out and do that. Whether or not somebody believes in you, go and ask, go and ask questions, uh, go and ask people if you can do that. If nobody believes you, you believe in yourself and go out and do that. So, um, uh, uh, Dominique, uh, it was in the same place when the basement you saw that the, the company, there was a stationary store. Right. And you started your. Own That's correct. Like at the basement. Of- and the, the possibility of COS was born over there. That's correct. In the basement of, these, uh, of this company, they had a, a stationary store with, uh, you know, wooden shelf and uh, lots, lots of products. And if you like, uh, uh, I fell in love with the products. I fell in love with the idea of, of, of stationary. I think I've since found out many people on the planet fall in love with stationary. Right. Uh, but I fell in love with it that much that I decided to go into that business. Right. It, uh, yeah, we, we love stationery. We love to go into bookshops and love those little, little things there. Uh, but that's great. So that's the beginning of COS. Uh, the beginning of your, your company was with another person, with a partner. The two of you got together to start that. And then it fell apart. Uh, what that, happened? That's correct. It, it fell apart. I, I guess what happened is that uh, initially we decided to go into this business together as a partner. And... Uh, the idea was that we, we, we would make more money than what we did in the company. Right. And uh, at the end of the first year, we did do that. Uh, and we had no idea about profit and loss and balance sheet and accounting. All we knew what to do was to sell products. Right. Uh, but the accountant said to us, uh, look, boys, you did very well. Congratulations. You made $15,000, uh-huh. which was more than what we ever dreamed of doing. Right. Of course, like you would know, uh, in business, though, the question we asked, well, if we made the $15,000, where is that $15,000? Right. And we were told by the accountant that it is tied up in debt, that the customers owe you the money, and stock that you have on the shelf. So right. if you sold all the stock and everybody paid you, you would have the $15,000. My partner decided at the time that he wanted to sell everything get his money to pay his mortgage off, and that he did. I bought the business, he paid his mortgage off, and uh, I continued to build a uh, a significant business since then. So uh, can I I request you, Dominic, to go into a little bit more detail here, because a lot of people go through situations like this, and we are trying trying to sort of figure ways, because there's probably ways out there that people do not know how to go out and... Uh, correct a situation like this where you're you're actually in debt, uh, but it is not the debt that that's that is uh, the kind that you created, but it's a debt because you're doing the business wrongly. 
So if we could just sort of throw some light on that, because you, if you figured how the customers paid you, if you figured how the uh, credit times were to be reduced or the customers came back and gave it back to you, then it would probably have been a different scene. Your partner would not have run away with those in a situation like that. But you dealt with it. So if you could tell us that. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta. Uh, it was not easy to get the money, but at the end of the day, it, it began with the uh, the partner wanting to sell, and I said to him, "If if you're going to sell, I'm going to buy it because, you know, I'm not going to work with anybody else. I will, I will. I wanted to do this for myself. Right. I realized at that point that really, this was what I wanted to do. I could do this. Right. I guess the the what I've what I've realized since is that probably the partner, for the first year, gave me enough confidence to get started. Right. I'm very grateful to him because probably without him, I would have never started. Right. So he gave me that opportunity to start. But as soon as, he, as, soon as we set the price, which was $7,500 back then, it was uh, half each, uh, it was not easy to get that money because you've got to remember that if you, if you, uh, if you, if you get, the, get the number into perspective for a minute, the, the, the house, to buy a house, uh, cost uh, $20,000 or perhaps a little bit less than that. Right. So $7,000 was a significant amount of money. Right. I knocked on the door of all the banks who all said no to me. Uh, and then I knocked on almost every finance company that existed until somebody finally said, yes, we can do that. They did do it at a ridiculous uh, interest rate, by the way. Right. Uh, but I agreed uh, uh, to pay, uh, and, uh, got rid of my partner and, uh, for the next uh, few years paid off the debt and, uh, went from there. But I, I knocked on a lot of doors to get to a final. Yes. It took significant amount of work during that one month. Uh, because, you know, as a young, uh, as a young 21 year old, nobody uh, really wanted to know me and, and I didn't have any assets. Uh, so I was asking somebody to really uh, invest in my story, right. uh, and I had a one-year track record. So not easy to sell, but importantly, not impossible. Exactly, and that's that's where we're leading to. Uh, you also went through this phase of the thing called bankruptcy, where it was all over, and then you had to borrow money again, uh, and your family helped you, your dad helped you, and eventually you could turn the whole thing around by expanding the business into retail. Right? Is That's that correct. Happened? That's correct. So a little bit more about uh, expanding on that. So uh, I guess I, I, at this point I buy the I buy the business from my partner and I continue to grow the business. And this is about uh, ten years later, maybe maybe nine years later. Uh, I decide that I wanted to expand uh, expand the business uh, more, not having uh, uh, the financial resources to do that. Uh, and not being able to borrow uh, more money, uh, it turns out to be that my father has just retired uh -huh. and picked up uh, his retirement money, uh, right. which uh, uh, was a significant sum of money back then, about $60,000. Uh -huh. I went to my father with a proposition and said to him, look, Dad, if you, uh, if you back me and, and, and literally give me your retirement money, right. uh, I will make you very rich. Right. Uh, and uh, I know it's a big risk for you, but, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to trust that I can do it. And, of course, you know, he, he uh, like a great father, gave me all the money he had. Uh, I, I, I went into retail. 
opened up a very big store. Uh, and lo and behold, within about 18 months, I had uh, not only uh, spent all his money, I was completely broke uh, and, and not being able to uh, pay him or anybody else for that matter. And, and how did you come out of that? Well, uh, I decided that uh, the best thing to do was to get some advice. So I went to a very large uh, accounting firm, one of the big, one of the big three, uh, and got the best brain uh, to tell me what to do mm -hmm. because I figured that really the problem was I was not an educated man and I needed to be educated. And this person uh, looked at my profit and loss uh, and he said to me, uh, I see your problem. And as a businessman back then, I couldn't understand how he could do that. I said, so you understand my problem just by looking at this piece of paper. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, sir. I can see exactly what your problem is. Right. And uh, the long, to cut a very long story short, my recommendation to you is you find a buyer and get rid of it okay. because you'll never be able to succeed in this business. Mm -hmm. And the only way out is uh, probably... To get out, if you can't get out, then you need to declare bankruptcy. Right, and uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a lot of people would probably you know not go and take advice. They do not, uh, you know, they keep struggling on their own. They keep trying to figure out. There is, I don't think there's a need to figure out. We have people out there. If you go and ask, you go and seek help. Probably people will be able to let you know and give uh, what, what's wrong and what is not and what needs to be done. So this is this is really some of the things that we need to learn from people like Dominique. Now, Dominique, let's come to the, the company. Uh, you're doing over 120 million uh, right now, is it? Is that That's correct? correct. I, I love your numbers, like 14 years, nine months, 1967, 40 days, $90, $1. It's nice, it's nice to remember those numbers. So now this big number, uh, how many years did it take you to get to that number? When, when was your first, first point of, uh, uh, you know, that, that leap where you said, okay, now we've made it? Look, I think I, I, I like to say it this way these days that I think it took me the first 20 years to realize that I, uh, that I was good enough to be a business owner and build something. Right. Uh, and I spent the last 20 years, because it's now been 40 years altogether, right. I spent the last 20 years developing the business. So today we've got 120 million. I think this year we've got 123 million or thereabout. 20 years ago, uh, it was. Uh, less than eight million mm -hmm. it was a very very small business right. uh, but today uh, as i said it's 123 million it's a national business we have a business in sydney melbourne uh, uh, brisbane adelaide northern territory ev e western australia every state in the country right. uh, about 350 people work for this company today uh -huh. uh, and uh, uh, we're you know we're responsible for a lot of people's living uh, and, and future, they, they rely on us. Uh, we have a great uh, customer base. We do a lot of business with our government. We do a lot of business with major enterprises. Uh, and uh, we add a lot of value to our market. And uh, for that, uh, uh, we add value. And at the end of the day, as, uh, as you would know, uh, what you earn is completely related to the amount of value you add to society. Absolutely, the number of people you're able to serve. So uh, your, your focus in the company is very clear. I was reading through the mission, vision of the company. Um, your focus is the customer, the customer which is, um, and you, you, you have this core promise there which is, give us an order today and we'll have that delivered to you tomorrow morning. Plus, 
anywhere in the office that you need us, we are going to be there. So this was, I, I, I loved this when I was reading this. I said, okay, this is like, uh, you know, we're going to be <laughs> percolating every bit of your office with our supplies and our, our, our little, little, you know, those things called stationery, but absolutely necessary in an office space. So uh, you worked with that. And I believe the customers are obviously happy because you're, you're doing such a great thing uh, with, with this. Uh, uh, because a lot of people don't think of stationary business as something uh, relevant. You know, say, oh, stationary is so normal. We go go buy it from uh, a Periplus. Uh, but no, when I, when I read about your business, I was like, uh, I was uh, zonked. I said, my God, this is what you can do with uh, things so, so small and so uh, not significant in people's minds. So uh, what do your customers say now? You, you've done this with customers over the years, and I'm sure they have, a, they have some great things to say about not just the product, but about the way you people work. Well, I think, I think the first thing about the business itself is when, you, when I think of stationery, I, and, I, and I speak to my, my staff, I say to them, stationery is like food for human beings. Right. Stationery is food for a business. Right. If you look around your office, you are not able to run your business without, without stationery. You must have it. Right. So since you must have it, then you must, uh, you must decide to buy it from somebody. Right. You, you're, you will, just like food, you have to go to a market to buy your food. Right. So you end up going where you are most uh, like to go, where you're most attracted to go to. Right. So it's been my mission to make us very attractive to customers. Wow. So the, the, the focus of, of myself and the executive team is purely on the customer experience. Uh, everything that we do, everything that we talk about is all around the customer experience, wow. whether it's uh, how the truck is set up, uh, whether it's how the catalog is done, how the website is, uh, is designed. It's all about the customer because at the end of the day, as you're as you're well aware, and I'm sure you tell, uh, uh, if 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 you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. Right. Uh, and the customer is the master; they pay the bill. And in 2016, it's all about the experience. There's so much choice. People can buy things from so many places. Right. So at the end of the day, they actually more increasingly, as the world gets more wealthy. They buy it from people. He gives them a better experience. Right, absolutely. And and um, are you you're right now the biggest in Australia? Are you also are you also in other parts of the world? Uh, today, I just focus in Australia. We're the number three in Australia. Okay. So we have two global competitors. So, you know, this is uh, this is a very very big business in Australia. Uh, the industry is worth about uh, six point five billion dollars. Okay. So yeah. it's a very very big marketplace. We have wow. two big customers. So if you like, even though today I do $123 million, wow. I'm still competing with the giants. Mm -hmm. My world has been the David and Goliath story forever. Right. I'm, always, I'm always competing against the giant. I like to give, I like to challenge the giants because at the end of the day, uh, really human ingenuity is what wins in business. Absolutely. Uh, in some businesses, it may be capital, uh, and if, you, if it is capital-based, then you need a big company and all this, but, but for sales stationery, you don't need a lot of capital, mm -hmm. but you need to be willing to be uh, uh, really add, add invention, add ingenuity to what you do. 
Right. And um, uh, have these other two big ones not tried to buy out? They, they must have. Uh, look, I, I've been offered a lot of money for my business. Right. Uh, many times. Uh, but this is not... Uh, this is not my dream or my legacy. I have, uh, I'm blessed to have three children, uh, two daughters who are 37 and 35, mm -hmm. and a young son who's uh, 12 years old. It is uh, my wish, if I uh, could achieve it, that the business continues into the next uh, multiple generations. Right. So the two girls are in the business today. Uh, I believe that they uh, will take it forward. Uh, selling... Uh, I mean, selling is very nice, but at the end of the day, you still got to get up and do something every day. Right. And once you have a house, you have a nice house, and you can travel everywhere you want, and you know, we have the boat, and uh, we have everything that we want, so really, more money isn't going to help me. Right. Uh, so what, uh, what we do today with our business is that uh, we have built a foundation called the Leone Foundation, which is uh, yeah. my, my surname, and 15% uh, of all the money that the family makes in totality goes into the foundation. And we use that foundation to help uh, human welfare in Australia. When we came to this country uh, with one dollar, we needed a lot of help. Right. If it wasn't for charities giving us food, giving us clothing and helping us, we would never have what we have today. And uh, it's now I sincerely believe that today uh, it is my turn to turn that back and give back to society. That's that's uh, that's so awesome, and I think as a leader, uh, because you you you've led your life in such a way, and your life has shown up in ways that I think it's inspirational to even uh, hear those. Like I just said, it's fascinating to hear those numbers when we sit here and talk about it. It's easy to talk, but you've gone through it, so I can see while you're sitting here and talking to us and sharing your experience, we all learn from you that there is something in in inside ourselves we can get up and say, okay, let's go. We can probably do it. And uh, but tell us about what's your big take on failure because people are scared uh, of failure and it's important for people to learn how to fail and how to get up. Uh, it, is not, it is not possible to succeed without failure. Uh, success does not occur without failure. I think any, uh, any, bus any, any businessman that you find there that has achieved success, if you really dig in, you're going to find many, many failures. Right. It's really about every failure gets you closer to success. Right. Failure is just the apprenticeship. Right. Uh, really, it's about the willingness to get back up right. and go again. Unfortunately, what tends to happen, what I see a lot in the world, is that people fail uh, and after the second time, they stop trying. Right. They stop going for it again. They just go into fear, and fear just cripples you. Right. Where really, uh, if you just get up again, and you might fail again, but eventually you'll succeed. Right, right. I, I think it's um, fear paralyzes, and people, like you say, once, twice, thrice, and after that, it just sort of blocks their mind to see further. Uh, so I, I think from Dominic, we can learn we don't have to look back. We have to look forward. We have to keep getting up, walking, and failure, bankruptcy, no money, uh, rejection, bullying, name it. And he's gone through that. And we still see him sitting here as a successful uh, person who worked really, worked really hard uh, to get there and still make it. So we are very, very inspired by you, Dominic. 
Uh, who's your big hero? Who, 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 is there somebody who you take as a role model? Uh, I think people like Richard Branson, I really look up to for his uh, entrepreneurship. Right. He's probably my, my, my main guy. I got uh, Robert Kiyosaki was my master for a long time. Right. He taught me a lot of amazing uh, things. Right. Uh, so I've had many, many masters uh, over the years, but probably the guy that I like to follow today is uh, Richard. Okay. And, and I also, uh, because when I met you, I met you at the Money and You seminar in Kuala Lumpur. And you, uh, you give time to that too, as an instructor in Money and You. You were brilliant. Um, so tell us about that, because I think you said Robert Kiyosaki picked you up from one of those places to become the instructor. Well, I mean, one of the things about uh, one of the things about being an entrepreneur and being a business pe being a business person, the biggest benefit you could have to yourself is your personal discovery. Right. You need to really understand you, and to understand you, you must spend time in developing you. Right. So. When I discovered Money and You, which, uh, as you know, is a three-and-a-half-day uh, experiential program that I, that I now lead, basically that program is, uh, takes, uh, takes you for three-and-a-half days and puts a mirror in front of you right. for you to see uh, what you need to be working on. Right. Uh, so the more self-discovery you do, whether it's Money and You or some other program or reading a book, but the more time you spend on personal discovery, right. the more successful I believe you're going to be. Absolutely. I completely agree with that one. And um, uh, so, Dominique, thank you very much for your time. I believe you are what Steve Jobs is to Apple. I think you are to COS in terms of stationary business in creating the kind of experiences that people would always remember stationary for. We love to look at stationary, but to experience stationary, I think we got to go and uh, look at how you're doing your business. So there's much to learn from you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for your interest. Bye-bye.